really glad to be here with y'all. It's been a minute since I've been home, and so it's good to come back and see everybody. And it's an honor to sit here and uh, share the room with Ama Tanasanti, uh, somebody I met her maybe in the last couple years, and uh, always talked about doing something together, so here we are. We're sitting inside a, a dream, right? Yeah, sitting inside a dream. Yeah. yeah. And we thought that uh, we just kind of have a conversation and open it up to the group and just see what happens. So, cool. We're looking at spaces for a center. We looked at three places yesterday. We'll keep you in the loop as we know more. But it seems like it's a full tilt boogie. How many people are here for the first time? Cool. Welcome. Cool. We are really working hard to find a bigger room. <laughs> but right now it's like this. <laughs> so, any way you'd like to start? Hmm. Vinny and I were talking about themes to talk about tonight. And, you know, fear. Fear seems to be something that's pretty relevant for most folks. So I'll share something that just happened last week. I'm staying with friends because I've, my hermitage is, was in the evacuation zone in the Colorado fires, so I'm here longer than expected. And the reason why last minute was because my plane, plans just changed and I was able to be here last minute. But I'm staying was staying with some friends next to the state park in Santa Rosa, and I found this fabulous lake up there, this pristine, glorious lake up there. And I was walking up the path to go to this lake, and these mountain bikers are tearing down the path. And I was absolutely scared every time they come barreling down the path. And, you know, I noticed my whole system contract and tighten, and I was trying to escape getting out of the path. But... You know, one side of the path is a steep ravine, and there's poison oak on the side of the path. And I can't dive off the path. So the next time I was trying to navigate this, I thought, you know, I don't need to be bullied by these maniacs. (laughs) I'm just going to stand my ground. So I was, like, fierce. I just made myself enormous and stood right in the middle of the path. And it was like, you guys want to mess with me, you just try and mess with me. (laughs) But I could tell that the ferocity of me was like operating through every pore (coughs) of my body, and it took quite a lot of energy. But then I noticed, you know, I can actually be in the middle of the path and be very light. So the next time I was walking down the path and the mountain bikers were barreling down, I just stayed in the middle of the path. That's it. There was no emotion. There was no movement of mind. There was no need to do anything about it. 
I just stayed in the middle of the path till I heard those brakes nice and tight on those wheels. And then when they slowed down to a speed that wasn't terrifying, I just stepped aside. But what was fascinating for me was the journey of feeling the terror and then running from it and then this kind of like battling, you know, battling to find my ground, that it was actually okay for me to be in that space. And then, and then the lightning of it and just feeling really peaceful about, yeah, it's okay for me to be in this space, but I don't need to engage in a battle. I like that. How long did you have to wait in the abject terror? You know? Well, the first couple times I was walking up and down that path, you know, I didn't see that I had a choice. It felt like all I had to do was to try and navigate to get off of that path and that I didn't have a choice. So every time I was on that path and those bikes were barreling down at me, you know, I was filled with that fear. So how long did it take? It took a couple of walks up and down that path until I realized I could do something different. It's funny, a lot of times I'll experience uh, a lot of ideas about Buddhism mostly for myself, you know, about like just becoming more and more passive. You know what I mean? Like Like this is the object of practice is to just become some kind of welcome mat. It's like, you're Buddhist, right? So you're going to be cool with anything, right? <laughs> we just give you any old bullshit, right? Because you're, you're going to just practice with it, right? <laughs> I remember Meninjadri talking about this. You know, this student of his was uh, getting ripped out of a car in India, you know? Somebody was, like, trying to, like, abduct this woman. And he just looked at her and he said, did you, with all the loving kindness in your heart, smash her umbrella over his head? <laughs> you know, and that's what you're talking about. It's like, yo, you know, what we're looking for is an appropriate response. We're looking, this is what the Buddha was talking about. Like, what is my response to this thing called life or this moment in whatever is filling it, right? It's not that we just kind of well, I guess I'm going to be abducted and just see me. He might be my teacher. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if they knew what was underneath that. You know, like uh, in your process, right? Because, you know, I experience you in particular, not only the monastics, but you in particular as a very courageous person. So, you know, they're doing wheelies and they're doing bunny hops, you know? And I wonder if they got some sense that you were unmovable, you know? I wonder what story they might be telling tonight. <laughs> you know? In the biker's club, you know? <laughs> I don't know, Vinny, I don't know, but there was a couple of them when they slowed way down and as they were passing they said, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a good sign. So I had some sense of them actually connecting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. But what was really interesting for me was the emptying out. But I couldn't empty out until I became absolutely ferocious first. You know? 
I had to transition from something that was like, I'm terrified, I don't have any space to... You know? Yes. And then I couldn't... When I could feel that degree of power, then I could move it into something that was just very light. So, Vinny, where do you experience fear? Let me tell you... Where do I experience... I was scared coming here. You know what I'm saying? Because you're a wild-ass mountain biker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm hoping for an apology. (laughs) You know, it's like I'm uh, sitting next to somebody that's been practicing their ass off for 20 years. You know what I mean? I'm like, my understanding of the Dharma is my understanding of the Dharma. And I know we can't compare these things and all that, but you know, when you teach with somebody that you respect, there's just like a, wow, all right, let me see if I can show up in this moment. So, I was, there was some of that happened to me for today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, like all things that arise, when we let it live, it dies a natural death, right? So it was just passing. It wasn't like abject terror it was just like wow man check it out bro you trying you want to bring that a game tonight huh (laughs) yeah check it out man that's cool you know and that's just a really uh honest feeling like that i want to show up that i want to contribute i want to i want to make a beautiful offering you know so i just kind of got in touch with uh the sincerity of the desire that it was connected to yeah and then it was just beautiful. It's yeah. like, oh, that's sweet. You know? Mm-hmm. I didn't have to repress it or get away from it or make believe I wasn't. Mm-hmm. It's was just like, wow, check that out. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like going to a divorce a couple years ago now, three years now, that was like, I think the, the scariest thing in a while, you know? Because there was just like, how do you practice with a, a hot poker in your heart? You know, how, you know, it's not, it didn't feel like it, you could practice in it. It just felt like either you were just kind of, when it was on me, it felt like I just wanted to like tear my hair out, you know? Like just, ah, you know, I just want to get away from it. So it's like, well, how do you practice with something like that? How do you practice when you can't even put your toe in the water? How do you practice swimming? How did you practice with it? I was like, I was very patient with myself, like when I could be. Yeah. And I just tried to care about the part of me that just felt terrible about what had happened. So I was just trying to be really, really compassionate. Like, so when the pain would arise, I would try to touch the pain and have that turn into compassion, right, as it does. Right? So it yeah. wasn't like, you know, I'm going to feel it, so it does this. It was just like, nah, man, this is just on me, and I have no choice but to feel this pain right now. And uh, when I did, when I stepped toward it and opened my arms to it, I would notice the compassion would just naturally arise. Right. And so I just felt like, okay, this might be workable. So, Vinny, was part of the process for you the recognition 
on some level there was a belief system that that amount of pain wasn't possible if you were practicing, right? Yeah, I think I, I generally experience my suffering as something wrong. Okay. I generally experience my suffering as an indicator that something's wrong. Somebody f***ed up. Might be me, might be my wife, might be society, might be whatever. Something is wrong here because I am suffering. Right? So if that's the underlying belief system, right. it's hard to unravel that. Right. You know, it can't be that this is inherent in existence, in life. I am practicing. (laughs) And uh, little by little, what seemed like eternity wasn't. Yes. Oddly enough. Yes. Once again, I thought... This is just never going to go away. And just like the love itself changed in the relationship, so did the pain that it was delivering when that ended. Right? Turns out it was part of conditioned phenomenon just like everything else. So how do we forget that? How do we forget that? Yeah, because I forget it. You know, not only am I a slow learner, but I'm a quick forgetter. <laughs> I think because there is fundamentally this feeling that if we're experiencing something unpleasant, something has gone wrong, and that it's our fault, or that it's somebody's fault, somebody is to blame. You know, I left England in 2009, and I was part of a community for over 20 years. So I've been practicing over 30, and I've been a nun for over 20. And when I left, when I decided to leave, I left with nothing. I had no group, no foundation, no benefactor, no funds, no invitation, absolutely diddly squat. But there was the conviction to try and make something come forward here in the United States that didn't have the bull that I was navigating there because there was a lot of blessings, enormous amount of blessings, but there was also some bullshit that absolutely needs to change, okay? But when I came to the States, you know, first of all, you know, when you've been embedded in a community for 20 years and then all of a sudden you're on your own, it's not like getting a divorce, it's like your entire tribe is annihilated, you know? It's like, I don't have language and metaphor that actually gives accurate description for what it felt like. It's like all of a sudden you're amputated or something. It's unbelievable. But what was incredible for me was not only the level of raw pain that I was having to process, but the magnitude of the uncertainty of what I was having to process. And the fear that this was never going to end, you know? And I'm still in a huge process of uncertainty because, you know, the lifestyle that I live is dependent on other people's supporting. And the support that I have is thin, you know. And so the vision that I have, you know, is going to require a lot more conditions coming together before there's enough to really move forward with it in an energetic way. And so one of the things that I've had to deal with in these last few years is this incredible loneliness 
excruciating loneliness. And with it, this unbelievable longing for intimacy. Okay? But what I've had to touch when I touch that longing for intimacy is a fear of annihilation. Because the longing to be intimate with another is coming from this abject terror of not existing. And when I can touch that, open up to that, allow that, then the feelings flow and then transform. And then what I can see is is that awareness becomes a place of connecting with everything. And so it's not related to connecting to a group or to a person or to a place or to an idea. It is just connecting with all that is. And so the terror of annihilation dissolves when the feeling or experience of separateness dissolves. That last sentence, one more time. The fear of annihilation dissolves when the illusion of separateness dissolves. Whatever you create, I hope that it involves high-fiving nuns. (laughs) Right now, we can't do that, and I just want you to know I'm high-fiving you. So let's bring it back down to, like, what's this got to do with our practice? Because we're all practicing with uncomfort, right? We're all practicing with pain. I mean, I have sat in the most comfortable of chairs and been really uncomfortable. Because the body, that's the way the body, the body's not meant to stay still. So even if you got like some space foam and you laid it out and you were going to do like a retreat, right? You're sitting, you're going to lay a retreat and the teachers agreed to this malarkey, (laughs) you would be uncomfortable after a couple hours because that's the way the body is, right? So no matter what kind of conditions, I was already thinking like, you know, because I'm headed into a month long in in the fall and I'm like, I'm going to just tell these cats I got an injury. (laughs) <laughs> we start right out. Make it a kinder, gentler middle path, you know? <laughs> but we all have a relationship to this thing. We if we're in this room, you you have you have a relationship with uncomfort and pain. Just to make it through a sit, you know? So, we, we keep working like on our relationship to uncomfort and pain. And if we're not being driven by fear, what happens? Right? Because that's what you're saying. Like, when you're standing on that path, you became fierce, and then something else took over, and, there be, and you touched a peace and a, a beauty and a freedom that was there the whole time, but we had to go through whatever process you had to go through to, to touch that, that fear of annihilation. Because that is, the, the fear that this is somehow 
going to be eternity, right? That I'm never going to connect with someone. Or this is never going to ring this bell. Whatever it is, right? <laughs> I am going to be stuck here, right? Divorced. Whatever it is, right? I'm always going to be divorced. It's always going to feel like this. Right? I'm never going to find my community. I, I'm always going to be under this this uh, boss. Whatever it is, right? It's not the thing itself. It's our connecting it to forever that really puts the nails in the coffin for me. I don't know, Vinny, because, you know, the other day, um, you know, the nuns have gone through a diaspora. And I, I initiated a conference call with um, the monastics as well as the nuns who've now disrobed. And we talked for the first time in a number of years. And it was really powerful that we could all connect. So we were on, what, five countries, six, seven time zones, and talking to each other for the first time. And I got off the telephone. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I got off the telephone and I was in tears. And it had nothing to do with nuns and it had nothing to do with the diaspora of what had happened. I was opened up to my Jewish ancestry, okay? You know, thousands and thousands of years of people being in exile, of not having a place of safety, of not belonging anywhere, of not being able to locate themselves in a, in, 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 in a tribal community that wasn't on the road, okay? And so for me, it wasn't, it wasn't the... It was the, 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 the depth of this memory being echoed in my experience as a nun. It wasn't that it was going to go on forever. It was almost as if it has been going on forever. You know? That I have never experienced a sense of that kind of safety as something that I could really believe in. Okay? And the pain was searing. It was excruciating. Okay? But again, for me, the way of practicing was to receive it, to cry, to be with it, to let it do what it needed to do. And in holding it, it began to ease out and I could see the connecting pieces of what was moving through my jitta without having to locate or log, latch onto any of it and let it move itself through. As yet, this is part of the reason why this is all so incredibly painful for me, you know? But again, it was the ability to touch it, to allow it, where it began to transform, and what was present was presence. It was the attention shifted from absorbing into the object and relaxing more into the knowing of the object. When we talked about this downstairs, you drew a distinction between when you were running from it, you were an individual. Could you talk about that? And then when you opened to it, it was more of opening to all that exists, right? So when you were turning from it and moving away from it, it was you by yourself, solitary and then when you were opening to it, I thought that was really beautiful that there was something that happens in that opening yeah, that connects you to all existence, right? 
everyone that's feeling this, everything that exists even. So in my own experience, the, the movement of a way is an identification with me and my pain. And the movement towards is a releasing the identification of me. And in that releasing the identification of me and releasing the identification with my pain, then there is an opening into something that is much bigger and includes much more. And that inclusion allows compassion to flow that I am part of and extends beyond me. How do you experience that, Vinny? What is your life like? When, what is it like for you when, you when you touch something that's so painful? How does it shift in your mind? Yeah. You know, I spoke a little bit about it in terms of uh, the last you know, big shift in my life. Um, you know, as I touch it and, and just the compassion that arises in my heart, you know, because I, there's a certain belief that this shouldn't be, that maybe I shouldn't have got married or I shouldn't have got divorced or whatever the game is that won't allow me to be with it, right? So I got to get through all the beliefs first, right? All the excuses of why this should not be. So that's my process. It's like, okay, well, maybe she wasn't the right girl. Maybe it wasn't the right time. Maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe we shouldn't have got the, whatever it is, right? All the excuses. And then finally, there's got to be the opening to just a part of me that is just so uh, hurt by what happens. Yes. Yes. You know? Yeah. That, that, yeah. that beautiful, exquisite pain. Yes. That is just waiting to be experienced. Yes. Right? That, 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 that before those moments, I experience it as a haunted look in the mirror. You know, that I'm like, yeah, I know that is waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> so with that new Operation Repo, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm going to just try to distract myself until finally it drags me kicking and screaming toward my enlightenment, right? Toward intimacy with what I can't imagine being intimate with, which connects to everything that everything in my life that uh that felt that way. So, you know, my divorce connected to my mother's death, connected to how I could never let anybody all the way in, connected to, you know, whatever my story is, my narrative. And so it just feels like uh, unsurmountable. It's just like, it's just a mountain of grief, of unattended grief, Mm -hmm. right? So you're in the face of that mountain, and here comes the mountain bikers, right? (laughs) You know, I'm jumping out of the way of, of what seems like it will kill me if I let it in. I'm a very dramatic person. That's how I experience my pain, right? It's just like... And then, you know, there comes a time where I can uh, I can begin to care about it. Yeah, I was on retreat when I finally stopped and looked at it. Because when I was in the world, I found myself, you know, too busy hooking up and too busy, like, 
being distracted and you know I was kind of like busy attending to her and uh, all that life all the life changes right what is it to extract two lives so every box in my house was another emotional landmine you know what I mean it was just like okay yeah I'm not gonna get to this and then finally when I went to a retreat and I sat you know sitting a month long and it was just like you know I, I I had my own room, thank God. <laughs> and I went, and I, you know, I went through the first day, 16 hours, and I went, and I closed my door, and I laid down on the bed, and I knew what was waiting for me. You know, it's like some kind of boogeyman, right? That's how I experienced it. It was just like, yeah, now you this is mine, money. Nowhere to go. You ain't got no TV. You ain't got no music. It's on. You can't even... It's on. <laughs> so I knew, like, what was awaiting in that room, you know? And what happened next is, like, I got stupid sick. Like, I mean, two and a half weeks. I ended up in the hospital. Like, I was still on retreat. You know, but I couldn't leave my room. It was like, yeah, bro, you came here for teachings? Cool. You must be really spiritual. Because <laughs> I was just, and it was raining the whole time. So I was just sequestered to be with that. That's what it took. And, and like in the end, there was just green crust on my eye. Like I woke up one day and there was just green goo in my eyes. So I was like, oh my God, like this is ridiculous. Like this is some next level detox. You know? <laughs> but, but what happened is like as I started to like, like just like let it in a little bit, right? And I would notice that it would just go to a hot poker in the chest place, and I just, you know, okay, 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 okay. How can I, how can I ease into this pool of whatever this is, you know? But what happened when I started opening to it and really feeling the compassion? I felt like I could just, I could face anything. That's what happened. What happened is, like, as even even only after a couple days of practicing with it, for real, finally practicing with it, I felt like uh, some vitality and strength and confidence, and I was just like, yeah, and some other shit. I've been afraid of the dark, too. <laughs> and I started sleeping under my bed, you know, like, uh, you know, my father told me when I was a kid, don't, don't, I was falling off the bed a lot, so he said, the devil lives under your bed, so I never fall off the bed no more, you know, that whole vibe, right? So 45 years, I'm like, looking under, I ain't looking under that bed right now. <laughs> And I was like, yo, man, it's on, man. I'm getting free up in this piece. So I started, like, sleeping under my bed, and I didn't have to, I, I even unplugged the light so I couldn't turn on real quick and check, you know. <laughs> Sleep under the bed, man. I'm like, yeah, bring the freedom, money. So the way it, the way it, it was, I was experiencing it was, like, just vitality and confidence in the practice as I turned to face what I never thought I could. Right. 
And, you know, one of the things that I find happens for me also with all this stuff is like, you know, for me, it took me, I don't know how many hours of being in this kind of solid, frozen morass that felt like it was not moving and I needed to sleep and I needed to just kind of let my mind kind of space out because the pain was more than I could actually meet. And so part of what I've learned how to do with this stuff when it is so intense is to give myself a wide berth and to trust there's a kind of body wisdom approach in how to actually respond to this stuff. And so rather than feel like I need to I need to do a you know a, a cowboy routine with it right. I need to feel my way into it and allow myself the time that I need until I can actually meet it. Yeah. And so part of my learning over these last many years is 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 the time before I'm able to meet it. Yeah. 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 You know, and the compassion and the give myself the ability to sleep and to know when the distractions are actually compassionate for me. That's right. Rather than yeah. rather than me just not wanting to pay attention. Right. And so trusting an unfolding process that allows an intelligence to be moving through me rather than to be me directing it. And then as I'm able to trust that, then the confidence that you're speaking about is what follows, you know? But when I push myself into right. something right. because I think it's a good idea or that I'm supposed to be practicing with this, mm-hmm. you know, then what happens is, is that I'm forcing a process before the readiness is right. there. Right. And I have other kinds of things that I need to let go of as part of my own um, catching up with myself thing, you know? Yes, I do. That's beautifully said. Yeah, thank you. Because we don't see the part of the process where I'm running through a hell of relationships as part of the process. Right. It's like, well, if you were going to, like, try to get over a wall, wouldn't you have to have some contact with that wall? You know what I mean? It's not just it's not just getting over it. It's like, no, I see it, I hate it, I'm planning it, I'm trying to touch, you know, I got to touch it to get over it, yeah. right? So all of it being part of the process, and how do we trust ourselves in the timing of it, right? Like imagine there's just a fruit on a tree, and it's just like, I should really be on the ground right now. <laughs> it just doesn't even make any sense. Like, a, a, like I, I should have fallen already. That's how you know I've been in the country a while now. You know what I mean? I live in Oakland, so. <laughs> How many people are here from the East Bay? Yeah, we all clumped up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just trying to get some sense if uh, we're to best meet the needs. So check this out. I want to read this cat for just a minute. This cat slayed it, man. He said he uses uh, man language because he's talking about his own practice. So just put man, woman, you know, I usually try to go back and forth between the two, but if I don't, this is how he wrote it. The man who, being really on the way, falls upon hard times in the world, 
he won't, as a consequence, turn to that friend who offers him refuge and comfort and encourages his old self to survive. Right? You know how we do that sometimes? You know, catch is going through something and we tell him it's going to be cool, it's going to be all right, just hang in there. And, uh, you know, uh, she was wrong, she shouldn't have left you, she's dumb, whatever, right? Whatever, however we try to comfort our friends throughout those times, right? But rather, she will seek out someone who will faithfully and inexorably help her to risk herself so that she may endure the suffering and pass courageously through it, thus making a, a raft that leads to the far shore. Cool. Still with him? Sounds good up to now, right? <laughs> Only to the extent that man exposes himself over and over again to annihilation can that which is indestructible arise within him. Dig that. In this lies the dignity of daring. Thus, the aim of spiritual practice is not to develop an attitude which allows a person to acquire a state of harmony and peace wherein nothing could ever trouble them. On the contrary, practice should teach us to let ourselves be assaulted, perturbed, moved, insulted, broken, and battered. That is to say, it should enable us to dare to let go of our futile hankering after harmony, surcease from pain, and a comfortable life, in order that we may discover, in doing battle with the forces that oppose us, that which awaits us beyond the world of opposites. The first necessity is that we should have the courage to face life and to encounter all that is most perilous in this world. When that is possible, meditation itself becomes the means by which we accept and welcome the demons which arise from the unconscious. A process very different from the practice of concentration on some object as a protection against such forces. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Only if we venture repeatedly through zones of annihilation can our contact with divine being, which is beyond annihilation, become firm and stable. The more a person learns wholeheartedly to confront the world that threatens them with isolation, the more the depths of ground of being revealed and the possibilities of a new life and becoming opened. That's the way of transformation by Carl Fried Grass von Durkheim. So, Vinny, can I give you my version of that? Hell yeah. <laughs> so, as a nun, I have an alms bowl. And I take my alms bowl onto the streets, and I make myself available for receiving alms. And on days that I do that, oftentimes that's the only food that I eat, though not always, yeah? And so I stand looking like an absolute weirdo on the street with people not having a single clue in the whole world who I am or what I'm doing or what this is all about. And I'm not allowed to say, hey, yo, this is an alms bowl. <laughs> I'm only allowed to respond to people when they ask me what I'm doing. Okay? 
or if they try and give me money and I say, I'm not actually allowed to handle money. And so the practice is a practice of being exquisitely vulnerable because there is nothing that I can hold on to to protect myself other than surrendering into the present moment. And if I come into that space wanting food, then I'm only looking at everybody as a possibility of fulfilling my desire. And I totally miss the opportunity of being there in absolute uncertainty and experiencing the blessings that come from not holding on to anything. Wow. And what I find time and time and time again in a city like Colorado Springs or Manitou Springs or weird places that you would never imagine people would be responsive is that people connect and open up and incredible contact happens. So Anila and I went together on alms round into Windsor, which is a conservative town north of Santa Rosa to the farmer's market there. And people didn't have a clue who we were or what we were doing. But somebody came up and asked us a question. Now, Anila comes from the Tibetan tradition, and they don't have the tradition of alms round. So I asked my preceptor if she could offer a bowl, and the community offered her a bowl. And I've sewn her cloths and sitting cloths and lap cloths and things so that we can do this and do this in a proper style according to the forest tradition, and giving her a little instruction. So we went together. And it's mind-blowing what happens when you live in a lifestyle that supports that level of vulnerability as a way of living. Because there's nothing that boundaries the heart from the immediacy of the moment and responding to exactly what's arising with whomever is there. It is absolutely far out. (laughs) But the only way to do that is to touch the vulnerability that comes with that and the fear of not being anybody because nobody has a clue who I am. And if I also don't know who I am in the best possible meaning of that, you know, then I can meet everything that arises with the kind of spontaneity and responsiveness that does it justice. It's incredible. And so one of the privileges, one of the blessings of living as a nun, an alms-mendicant nun in this world, is a level of contact with that degree of exposure and vulnerability that has as a result a corresponding level of blessing. That's right. The dignity of daring. So you know this whole thing is, this whole thing that we're doing here is always free because that's how we get down here. They donate the room. We donate whatever teachings. So I just want y'all to know that the money tonight is going to Amatana Santi. So she's standing in front of you with a bowl right now. 
a lot of us ain't got no chance to give to the monastics. You know what I mean? It's like a far off thing, and it's like, well, you know, I'd be hella generous if that was they was coming down my street. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they coming down your street, bro. <laughs> So this is an opportunity to support somebody doing like, that's turned their life over to practice and sharing that. And I really, really take it as a high honor that she came here to, to talk with us and share with us, mm-hmm. sit with us, you know. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vinny. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for your friendship. Yeah, same here. So we have a, a, we usually do a dedication here when we're done, you know, and we just kind of push it all out. Do y'all do that? Yeah, but I like, you know, one of the things that I I feel is needed is to take some of the traditional chants and change them into language that's simpler and easier to connect with. And so, you know, I do have a chat. It's long, but I don't know that it touches people in the same way that the short ones do. But I yeah. can chant it if you want. Yeah, I mean, we can show you what we do. Yeah, and that's and what I'd like to hear. Maybe, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, so whatever position you're in is totally spiritual enough. <laughs> <laughs> You know, whenever you say this, people start, oh, right. we go. <laughs> it, it, like, if somehow, like, the benefit's not going to reach all beings because you were slouching. Like, I can't in the third row. No benefit. So, every position is spiritual. You just kind of land back in your own experience, you know? Embodying this body, this moment, this breath. (sighs) Sending out any benefit that came from us sitting and sharing and gathering like this, sending it out to all beings in all directions. May all beings be happy. What do we want to ask for? (laughs) May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings know liberation. takes y'all you don't have to leave you yeah 
enjoy yourself. Thank you so much again. If you ever come back through, please, you're always welcome here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.